Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to episode 588 of Dream Business Radio. I'm your host, Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, coming today from sunny Georgia. Stephanie and I are beginning, as you can see, our travel and our rolling home. And uh, anyway, I've launched this podcast 12 years ago, actually almost 13 years ago, to help you build your dream business so you too can live your dream lifestyle. My special guest today is John. Help me with your last name. It's a that's a whopper of a lot of consonants. Yeah, there is. It's Newenberg. It's simple, but when you see it printed, it looks um, yeah, it looks complicated. But Newenberg. Yes. All right, I can handle that. Okay. My special sure. guest this week is John Newenberg, and um, John, I'm excited to talk to you today, a fellow coach, and um, hear about your uh, your uh, coaching program. And uh, pleasure. So, folks, this episode of Dream Business Radio is brought to you by the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. It is the place to be if you want to create multiple streams of revenue, if you want to learn how to create amazing brands, how to charge what you're worth so you two can work just three days a week. You want to be part of this extraordinary program led by me, Captain Jim Palmer. 2024, by the way, this is my last year running the uh, Mastermind before I retire and it's not sail off, but cruise off now <laughs> into uh, some great places. You can find more at dreambizcoaching.com. That's the website for that. Or you can always reach out to me at getjimpalmer.com. And um, at the end of today's show, I'll show you. I will tell you how you can get free copies of all of my books. All right, let me properly introduce John, and we'll jump right in here. John Neuenberg is a professional business coach since 2004. He's worked with other two, over 250 clients taking them through a systematic approach that helps them feel organized, confident, and in control of their businesses. And who doesn't want that? Although John was trained and certified by an international certification body, he doesn't believe that certification is the best way to determine the quality of a coach. Results are, I completely agree there. John's clients report increased profits, smoother day-to-day -day operations, and the ability to take a well-earned vacation. Absolutely, without worrying that everything will fall apart in their absence. In 2019, McKay CEO Forums awarded John with Canada's CEO Trusted Advisor Award in the small business category. So obviously knows what he's doing. John, again, welcome to Dream Business Radio, my friend. Thank you very much. Thank you for that grand introduction. <laughs> it's a lot to live up to, believe me. With you. Let's say you do. Um, so you've had a pretty long and storied career even before you became a coach. Um, tell us a little bit about you know some of the highs and lows and some of the positions you had before you became an entrepreneur and started coaching others. Well, before coaching, I was president of something called the BC Liquor Stores. And uh, to give you a sense of the place, it's $3 billion in sales today and 200 locations and 4,000 team members in Started business life as a retailer in a, a national men's or a retail store. Started as a sales guy. 17 years, lived in 10 places in Canada. Ultimately, I was living in Toronto, executive head office. And after five years of that, I decided I preferred the West Coast. So I got myself headhunted and came back to, the, to Vancouver. 
<laughs> so and so you started coach is that when you became an entrepreneur did you did you become an entrepreneur and then coach or did you start being a coach right off the bat we started as a coach yeah so oh. i lived corporate life up until then and um yeah largely entirely a corporate what i was going to say is that uh, when you're in retail each retail outlet kind of is standalone business under a larger umbrella so it feels like you're entrepreneurial but uh, probably more accurately, like intrapreneurial. Yeah, yeah, I've got a lot of experience in there. When you think you're running things, and then and then at the very last minute, somebody one step even one step above you can change everything. That's when you know. Well, I thought I was in charge, but anyway. Um, so, John, you created W Five Coaching, which is what I promoted for our interview. W Five Coaching. What exactly is W um, Five Coaching? Well, I believe in or I, in the early 80s, I was taught something called the Socratic method of leadership. So Socrates had it, the best way to help somebody is to help them figure it out for themselves. And you do that because you guide them through their thinking. And um, and so the core five questions, of course, I'll start with who, what, when, where, why, a W. And, and so that's the underlying premise of W5. So who, what, where, when, and how? And so is that the model you use when you help clients? Or, I mean, is that like a, tell me what happens when you get a new client? Well, um, so the first, um, you know, few sessions, we're trying to benchmark. We're trying to establish what's working, what's not working. I work through a framework called the five steps to freedom, where you're starting and kind of uh, where am I? Uh, how am I going to position myself in the market? Um, right through to where you have time and money freedom. Um, there's 22 silver bullets that are part of the tools that we help implement in a business. They all have a, a role in the five steps of freedom. And so the early days of coaching, the onboarding is to uh, look at the 22 steps, get uh, the entrepreneur to benchmark themselves. Uh, what's working, what's not working, uh, what's relevant, not relevant. And then we adapt the framework to their set of circumstances. John, you mentioned a minute ago, five steps to freedom. Um, what does that mean? I mean, there's financial freedom, there's time freedom, which is usually uh, financial freedom usually precedes time freedom for, for most folks. But what do you, what, what's your um, feeling about five steps to freedom? Well, uh, step four, uh, prosperous, is uh, when an uh, owner is very successful, the business is successful, the owner is involved every day, and lots of owners like it that way. They, you know, that's for a bunch of different reasons. But the fifth step is time and money freedom. And so you're free to spend your time as you wish, and you have the money to do that. And it could be because you want to go, you know, get in your motorhome. It could be because you want to go to the beach. It could be because you want to sell the business or start a different business. The point is you have uh, a choice, uh, you have both the time and money to be able to make that choice. Very cool. And some of your, um, I was looking at your website, your blog, and some other things preparing for the interview. And somewhere, sure. and I think I actually read it, it said, um, when your business runs well, you get your life back. Talk about yeah, that. Is so that, is that, uh, so I'm, well, that's part one. The second part of the question is, you know, clients come to us as coaches usually wanting something, one thing, maybe it's a couple of things, but in reality, they need something else, even if it's they need something else to get theirs. Talk about having a business run well so they get their life back. Well, what's the underlying purpose of a small business? Um, you know, and the answer I want to give you is a bit of a counterintuitive, and it wouldn't apply if you've got, 
20, 50, 100 million dollar businesses, lots more stakeholders, boards, that kind of thing. But for the kind of businesses uh, I coach, one to five million dollars, the ultimate purpose of that business is to give its owner the life they want. Mm -hmm. None of us were born to business, we were born to live. And yet so many business owners get sort of caught up in a world where their business is driving, uh, dictating to them how they're living their life. And, and so ultimately what we want to do is what do you want out of life and then how do we design or what do you need the business to be able to do so that you can get that life um you know i'll give is you that a, is, john excuse me is that a new concept when you work with a new client they say hey I, I need to get more revenue up i need more client whatever that is do you kind of put the brakes on and take them let's let's tell me about the life you want and then design that business or when do you get into that well, um, a little story about that when I learned a lesson. So I was working with a guy early in my coaching career and we were doing a strategic plan. And after three, four weeks, this particular client wasn't very engaged in the process. And, I, you know, ultimately I kind of challenged him. Hey, what's going on for you, man? How come you're not doing this? And he looked at me and said, I don't know why we're doing this. I can't make payroll tomorrow. And that's when uh, I realized I was a doofus because. You're coaching I, on big goals. And he's worried about making payroll. Yeah. So that's my point is that in the early days of coaching, there's burning bushes. There is, is my you know, metaphor for it. There, I can't make payroll. I'm working 100 hours a week. There's there's mm -hmm. some pressing almost crisis in the business. And and so you got to get that out of the way. And that can take six weeks. It's sometimes six months. And it's only when the pressure is reduced or they're feeling like um, the original um, concern that they had is under control that you can start to say, okay, well, now we've got some breathing room. We can start thinking more proactively. We can be a bit more strategic instead of just firefighting every day. And, and so uh, I, I'm pretty open about that with clients nowadays. I tell them that story and listen, mm -hmm. you, we, we got to work together to figure out where are we on that curve? Are we still firefighting here or is it time to start looking at the bigger picture? How many clients, certainly naming no names, but how many clients do you work with that feel they need a big plan or they and they come to you really in reality needing a life preserver? You know what I mean? Yeah, so the kind of clients I have uh, aren't really focused on the big plan. They, that is so, you know, kind of almost foreign to them. They're very tactical. They're very much... Um, you know, involved in the business every day. They're on tools lots of times themselves, and they're they're trying to get to a place where they they can run the business without being on tools all the time. And uh, and that so that's a big part of um, one of the things I'd like to say is that uh, all business coaching is personal coaching in disguise. Okay. What I mean by that is often yeah, the thing that holds them back is their set of beliefs, their mindset, their lens with which they view the world. And, and so part of what we help them do is figure out how to get out of the day-to-day, -day, every day on the tools to where they can see themselves being the captain of the enterprise and getting results through others. And, uh, you know, as you likely know yourself, lots of times small business owners aren't very good at delegation. They have a completely uh, mixed up view of what delegation is. Yeah. I, I don't know if I've ever met a, a very successful business owner who said, if I knew what I'd have to go through to get here, I probably wouldn't have started. Is that your experience as well? Oh, definitely. 
Yeah. Um, but what happens, or you know, one definition of entrepreneurship is they're they're the kind of people that could never have hold a job, right? Because they always thought I can do it damn better than this guy, so I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> yep. And so they they trade off one set of stresses for another, and they they prefer that set of stresses where at least it's my set of choices, and and I get to choose how I'm going to spend my time. But no matter no matter what, it's always going to be more difficult than you would have imagined it was going to be. When you you said something earlier that uh, most most or all business coaching is personal coaching, which I agree. Um, what have you found out as far as um, and I guess if you work with people in the one to five millions, there's probably leadership involved, right? I mean, most business owners start with a skill, whether, you know, accountant, lawyer, landscape, whatever. But then as you grow your business and you're doing everything, but then you you build a team. Now you need to be a leader. How many people are ill prepared for that? Uh, every one of my clients. Um, yeah. So my clients are like you described, they're uh, professional advisors, lawyers, accounts, health practitioners, doctors, that kind of thing. The other side of it is they're trades or craftspeople, uh, electricians, plumbers, general contractors. What they both have in common is they're skilled at their profession or their trade. They're not skilled at all in business, right? So um, it takes seven years to become a lawyer and five years to be a red sale plumber or something like that. And they start off and they got a truck and now they got five trucks and and they discover that oh my god i know how to do plumbing but what do i know about business and mm. that's sort of the rude awakening for them um, and so the personal no, coaching is both uh skills training uh leadership communication delegation that kind of thing it's also about accountability or you know holding people's feet to the fire so to speak and Largely, it's also about mindset or the lens with which we view the world. Um, you know, a simple example of that is, have you ever asked one of your business owners what are the first few words that come to mind for them when you say the word salesperson? Mm -hmm. So I've asked thousands of people that question. It's, you might be surprised how many times people have very negative connotations about selling, and yet every business owner is in sales in some fashion or another. And if you hold a self-limiting belief to be true about selling, it's, you know, it's got to undermine your capabilities, your abilities. If you're saying, geez, I'm out here trying to sell, but I have this negative idea of what selling is. Well, that's an example of, of personal coaching. What would your mindset, how would you have to think about selling so you could feel uh, good and if not great about it? So we talked about accountability. We've talked about, you know, personal growth leadership. What, in your experience, how much of a how much of a difference maker is confidence and mindset? Do you generally have to work with your clients in that regard? And I'm sure they don't come to you saying that, but <laughs> sometimes, you know, you know, lacking confidence and courage to take big steps is a reason they flounder. Yeah, that's a great point, Jim, you're making. No one will come to me and say, I need some help with my mindset. They're there because they can't get home for dinner. They can't hire good people. It's more immediate kinds of problems, but the things that uh, that they need to uh, develop and grow are often get the mindset right first, and then you can put the things into place that'll help you do that. Because there's some, you know, something holding them back. Otherwise, why wouldn't they do it on their own? And sometimes it's skill, but often it's mindset. Um, you know, an example of that is, uh, you know, uh, ask someone what the definition of money is, and uh, often. 
you know, the kind of work, the kind of people I work with are really, they're, they're kind of like self-employed. They have a J-O-B in the business with their name on it, and they've never mm-hmm. made mentally the mindset transition to uh, being the owner, the operator of the enterprise. They're still, I'm an electrician. Well, no, you're actually the owner of an electrical business. That's um, right. Um, to kind of oversimplify, but it, 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 it's very much at the heart of how would you have but to shift? A big leap, right? That's the big leap that needs to be made if they're going to experience exponential growth. Yes, exactly. Exactly right. I remember um, trying to think exactly when it was, probably about 2008 or nine. I started growing and opening a few different online businesses that I, I couldn't run myself, even if my original mindset was, I might as well just do it myself and keep the money. <laughs> Nobody can do it as good or as fast or as cheap as I can. So I may as well do it myself. But I learned that, you know, even if I only choose to sleep five hours a night, I know it's not good. It, you know, there's only so much time in the day. And that's when I started building the largest team I have is about 14 or 15, you know, VAs doing all kinds of things to support. And I was just kind of spearheading the top, obviously marketing and sales. And I was out speaking, writing books. So I kind of coined that high revenue generating activity and everything else that I could hire out for, whether it was 10, 20, 30, 40, $50 an hour. Those were tasks that I would only be worth 10, 20, 30, 40, $50 an hour if I was choosing to do those. Yeah. Is, that, is that how you see that also? And do your clients need that kind of uh, alignment? So Jim, in 2018, I made that leap you're describing. I, I, uh, I, I set a goal for myself that, that uh, required me to change my mindset. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that I, I decided at that time is there was only one thing I do in my business that I'm the best at that nobody else can do as good as me, and that's talking to clients or prospects. That's right. Uh, now, you know, others are as good at coaching and, and perhaps even better, but in my business, the only thing I do that no one can do as good as me is talk to clients or prospects. And then what that meant is I, that's the only thing I do. Literally everything else has to be done by somebody else. So um, a VA, the bookkeeping, um, I have a marketing colleague on retainer and that person has 12 or 14 people on freelance basis to do all the things that it takes. And um, and that started, I had the skills, but it, I, I had to make the shift in mindset that to, to uh, we call it the skill fun box, right? You've got a a four a two by two a four box axis. One side is skill, and the other side is fun. And up upper right is all the stuff you do that's really valuable. And all the bottom left is all the stuff that someone else will do better than you, and they'll do it for like fifteen bucks an hour, and you'll mm-hmm. get a result from them if you left it to your own uh, devices. You know. Um... For so many years, as I started building the team, I kind of laid myself a um, recovering control freak because even though I had the team, I'm like, show me the email before you send it out or do this. Or the, I, I wanted to. And then I got comfortable with the fact that um, so if anybody's struggling, needs needs a little hint here. I got comfortable with the fact that if I could train somebody and they could do it about 80%, I just use the 80-20 rule here. If they could do it 80% as good as me and I can focus on here, that loss of 20% is nothing compared to what I can do if I keep building my different businesses, right? So yeah. that's how I that's how I got comfortable with that. And the other thing I did, which was um, you know, which was kind of the second leap is when I had a team that big and initially I'm overseeing everybody, then I got a project manager to oversee mm-hmm. the team. So 
I didn't have to reach out to the writers. The project manager did. And the project yeah. manager made sure the writers were getting their copy for the newsletters, the templates were being designed. And she said, what do you want to use for software? I don't know. You pick something. Just tell me what it is. I'll give you my credit card. And she set up this whole system. So I just got feedback from one person instead of suddenly dealing with this whole team, which that's when things really started taking off for me. But it really did yeah. start with, the, with being comfortable letting go. You know, um, so I have the same kind of uh, setup. I have, a, uh, in my case, it's a marketing colleague who I have on retainer and that person drives the marketing activity. But one of the things I'd say about delegation is uh, I first hired a VA in 2018 and that VA, knowing me as her name, gave me a gift. And uh, that gift was we had a meeting on Zoom recorded. She detailed uh, what we were talking about. And within 30 minutes of the call, she sent me the SOP. Mm. She sent, And it was a gift to me because I realized, wow, I shouldn't be the one writing the SOPs. The incumbent, the person who's going to do the work, ought to do the SOP because it, it's her way of confirming I understand what needs to be done. It forms kind of a contract. Um, and now... Every time I need something done, I, hey, do task seven in this circumstance. And we both clearly understand what's involved in that. And so uh, uh, when you're using SOPs, you're, you're not worried, is the person going to do it the right way? They're going to do it the right way because they're going to follow the process they designed or at least they wrote. I had a client years ago. This will be a similar story, which I think will be helpful for the uh, people watching and listening. Um, and he was in the, uh, what we'll call it the SEO business, but he did SEO, John. He did um, Facebook ads, Google ads, he did everything to do with online marketing. He was very much a kind of an online genius, but he did it all. And people would be enthralled with what he did. And they'd say, I want everything. I want to grow my email list. I want this. And he'd get all excited and say, Jim, I got to just, I got to create this re request for RFP, request for proposal. And he'd put all this work into it. And you know what happens then, just like ad agencies, well, they ponder it, they get five more. And you meanwhile, you've wasted two hours of your time, right? So we worked on some different ways um, to work around that. But the one thing I, I helped him realize was that in this one or two hour um, RFP that you prepared, not once, but many times for different clients, 70, 80% of it is what I'll call boilerplate, right? So Should I said, th there's a strategy um, called mule the mule and the magician so a mule can just get work done all day long never tire out right it's a very strong and so and then you the the farmer or whoever else can put their magic touch on it so i said um i'm gonna call him dave his name's not dave but i said dave train somebody that when a request for proposal comes in you find out what their company needs or you can tell them because you had the conversation and they start pulling all the boilerplate possible scenarios he pulls it all together and then he gives it to you after he spent an hour on it you spend 10 minutes go fix this fix this and change this that's mule versus magician right yeah. so i don't so know if I'm, you've ever heard, the, heard that before yeah in the language of the e-myth uh th their proposition would be about 85 percent of what happens in a business ought to be a routine mule work to use your and about 15 percent of the business is an exception right that something extraordinary different and so that's what you're describing about uh, about 85 percent of what happened in a proposal in this example we ought to be able to pull out the boilerplate because we're just it's it's not so much a cookie cutter but that's what we do we produce you know i hate to say it but it's 
Um, we don't reinvent the wheel for every client. I mean, <laughs> you know, well, if you, so, are, you don't have a very successful or profitable business. That's right. You can't scale that business. Absolutely. Um, so we got about five minutes left, John, and we've talked, we're talking about leadership and teams. So I think I want to stay there. I like this topic a lot. Um, what are some of the best ways to grow a team the right way and, and perhaps share a couple of mistakes to avoid, you know, if you, if you want to be successful as a team leader? So one of the things that I see, especially nowadays, is that uh, relatively speaking, getting customers is easier than it is to get good workers. Mm. And so we put a lot of effort, businesses put a lot of effort into getting new customers. But when it comes to recruiting, most business owners kind of do it off the side of their desk and only when there's an emergency. And so as a result, they're always panicked. Someone quit. I don't have a replacement. And um, I learned a lesson, which I'll share here in about 72 or 73. I was the manager of a small menswear store. Uh, I was living in Calgary. Calgary grew from about 100 to 500,000 in the oil boom. Nobody was moving to Calgary to go into the retail trade. So one of the practices we had is my boss would visit me from time to time. But once a quarter, I had to go through the mall with him and point out the two best salespeople who weren't yet working for me. Oh. So, what, so my point here is why not, as a business owner, identify the three, four, five key roles that you've got and develop a bench? And what does a bench mean? Well, what it means is who's the three, four, five people in your industry that you'd like to have working with you? Have them for coffee, meet them for lunch, see them at the trade shows, start to develop relationships with people so that if, when, if circumstances are you need a new person, you've got five phone calls you can make. And, you know, you're going to say, well, that's a lot of work. Well, man, oh man, it's a lot of work getting customers and you put a lot of effort into that, very little into getting the right person. And if you got the right person, so much of your life, it'd be so much easier. So it's worth the effort. Um, and so that's the first thing is how do we think about recruiting so that it isn't, so that it becomes mission critical. It's one of the most important things we do, not something we do when, you know, when, when, when we're in a crisis, when we're in an right. emergency. Um, I, I've got one time for one more question. I'm going to, I was researching your blog, so I'll put you on the spot a little bit. Hopefully you can okay. get this. Um, you had a blog post called uh, quick wins, three easy habits to shortcut your way to success. I don't know if you remember that. Can you share one or two, or if you remember all three? Well, um, the ones that come to mind for me right now is the best people in the world are best at uh, naming or identifying or knowing what their priorities, their big to-dos are, and then to match their time. So they're using their time in proportion to, uh, to your priorities. Or you show me your calendar, I'll show you your real priorities, despite what you may have told me. So goal, the, the, the primary thing that sets apart people from uh, the people that succeed is they know how to set their priorities and they allocate their time in a proportion to that. Um, and then related to that is the question of what does focus mean? So if you have 150 priorities, how many priorities do you really have? That's a hard thing to figure out. And mm -hmm. so the hard thing then to do is what Steve Jobs said is focus is saying no to a thousand good ideas to, and to say yes to maybe three of the most important things so that you can move the needle on those things. And that's what's gonna, if, if the rest of the 127 things stay in maintenance mode, it's okay. Won't okay. kill you, won't, 
won't bury you. But if you move the needle on these three things, that's what's going to um, most make a difference in the results that you're getting. So that's the first few things that came to mind. I don't know if that's from the blog post. You but I'd say you uh, knocked it out of the park. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Um, I really like our conversation on leadership and, and kind of mindset and things like that. I kind of never know where the interviews are going to go, but I think it's very, very helpful for a lot of people. And, and thank you, Peg, for all your nice comments. John, how can people connect with you if they want to uh, learn more and, and check out your blog like I did? Well, it's easy to find W5 Coaching and it's John at W5 Coaching and I'm on all of the social uh, platforms, W5 Coaching. Um, so I'm easy to find. Uh, W5, who, what, when, where, why? W5coaching.com. It's a, it's a good URL because it's pretty hard to misspell any of that. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. if you had your name and as .com, that, you'd be in trouble. People wouldn't be finding no. it. But yeah, W5coaching is good. Yeah, one of the key things is if you're going to have a URL, why not have your business or at least the, um, that the average person can understand what the business does right in the URL. That's the first fundamental step of, of uh, the foundation of a business. Absolutely. John, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time today. My pleasure. Thanks for the conversation. Thanks for having me. You bet. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with John Newenberg, W5coaching.com. Pretty easy there. So that's where you connect with him. And you can connect with me at GetJimPalmer.com if you're interested in joining me and about 24 other very smart entrepreneurs in the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program for this last year. You can go to DreamBizCoaching.com. This interview and all other previous lives we've been doing now for about two years now live on in their infamy in my dream business youtube channel oh i remember i was going to tell you about my books you can get uh free copies of all six of my books at amazon obviously it's kindle there are nook books at barnes and noble they are also in the ibook store you can download them for free no opt-in required get a great education on captain jim i'll be back next week with another fantastic interview until then you take good care now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free dream business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. <laughs> See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.